2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And you may be seated. And Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. It is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. And as we hear Paul speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, God, about this very ministry that each one of us has received, God, this glorious message of the gospel that's within each one of us. And you've called us to speak, Lord. Even in our afflictions, we will face tribulations, Lord, but you said you've overcome the world. That we would continue to release the message of the gospel, the word that's able to save and to deliver, knowing that one day you will come for each one of us. Maybe some in this very uh, congregation will be caught up into the heavens, Lord, before death. But either way, Lord, we know that we'll be raised just like Jesus was raised from the dead. God, let that be the thing that's in our hearts. That while we're here, Lord, that we would speak to our loved ones. We'd speak to our friends. We'd speak to the one that God brings to us in the midst of our day. About what Jesus Christ has done in each one of our lives. What a message you've given us, Lord this ministry for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we've received a great covenant. Oh, there are, uh, <laughs> there are people in the aisles to give you a Bible if you need one. You can keep it if you don't have one. And so we've received such a great covenant, far greater than the law which led to death, uh, Paul would write in Romans chapter 8, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son. In the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. And so we have this glorious message, this message that God has given us in our hearts, and the Spirit of God that reigns within us now, if you know Jesus Christ. If we've been saved by him, he's given us that very ministry. And Jesus would say, recorded by Matthew, this is the blood of my new covenant, which is said, shed for many for the remission of sins. You know, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. When we were at our very worst, he gave his life for each one of us. And so he washed us and cleansed us and of our iniquities. And he's taken our sin and the requirements of the law, Paul writes in Colossians, and he's nailed it to the cross. 
And he became sin for us. He never knew sin, but he became sin for each one of us. And that we would be set free. That we would be reconciled unto him. And he gave us his righteousness. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. And what a glorious message that is. But sometimes we just keep that held within us. And we are in fear to release that message that God has given us. And Paul is saying in verse 1 that we've all been given this ministry. And you say maybe, well, maybe you've been given it, but not me. You know, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a, 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 an elder or, or, or an evangelist. But no, God is saying he's given the message to every one of us. All who know Christ as Lord and Savior have received this great ministry, this great message. And Jesus, as he was praying in Gethsemane, he would say, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them also into the world with the same message of the cross. Yeah, we're sinners, but he's a great Savior. We're ambassadors for Christ, he would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, with a message of reconciliation. Sent with a message from the King of all kings. And so you may say, I don't have the words to speak. You know, I don't know what to say when people are in front of me. You know, all I know is that Jesus died for my sins and he's forgiven me. Well, that's enough. And God says, when you open your mouth, that you don't have to worry about what to speak, that he's going to give you the words. And it's recorded in Mark 13, 11. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, uh, Paul would speak again in 2 Corinthians 5, but he said that uh, God will plead for you. What an amazing thing. This message of reconciliation that we've all been given, that God would actually plead through us to others that they would be reconciled to him. We have loved ones that are on their way to destruction and we are afraid to speak to them. We have friends that we know and we're in fear to tell them about Jesus because we're afraid what that will cost us. And the amazing thing is he's chosen to speak through each of us. You know, we've all been given this ministry, Paul is saying. So don't lose heart. Even if you're persecuted. Even if you're under affliction. Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation. But he's overcome that. Verse 2, but we've renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And so we reject that shameful deeds. We reject the underhanded methods. We are not trying to trick anyone when we stand up and deliver the gospel, but we are here to deliver what God has to say. And we here at Calvary Chapel implore you to check these things. You know, be Bereans. Get the word of God out. You don't have to trust all of everything I say, but go to the word of God itself and look to see what God has to say to you. And so study the scriptures. Be diligent. In 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says, For we are not as so, as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. And so we take this extremely serious to represent Jesus and his word in the sight of God, as Paul says, is writing. Paul is saying he knows who he represents, and he's saying we tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. 
You know, I'm a father of uh, four children. Three of them have gone, and uh, life just goes so fast. It's, uh, it seems like yesterday when I was riding my daughter around the back of my bike, and she'd fall asleep, and I'd feel her head just thump against my back. But now she's in Syracuse University. And uh, two of our boys are out in California. One's uh, expecting a baby any day. I'm going to be a pop-pop <laughs> any moment, uh, uh, grandson. And so... Uh, Life goes so fast, and uh, one of the things I've said to my children as I drop them off places, and uh, if any of you have children, you'll know that you become a limousine driver at some point. You're taking kids here or there, wherever they got to go. Just try to help them and uh, to get things done, but we can become overwhelmed. And one of the things I would say to them as they left the car always, remember who you represent. Remember who you represent as you go out there that you represent Jesus, and people see you, that you would remind them of him in some way. And so the same for us, that we should walk upright, and we are in the sight of God, the scripture says. Verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds <clears throat> the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so there is a God of this age, a prince of the power of the air, and we used to walk according to him, right? Amen? <laughs> I know I did. You know, back in the 80s, I was a, you know, a lunatic and mixed up in all kinds of different things of this world and didn't know which way was up. But I just thank God that he saved me out of all that. We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And so the scripture says we were once blinded. We were once dead in our trespasses. And remember the song Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, to save the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see God reached down and opened our eyes that we would see him and hear him. And because of that, he saved us. John Newton was the one that wrote that song, and he was a slave trader from uh, Africa and in the midst of a storm that was outside of Ireland, a storm that was so great that he cried out to God in the midst of it. And God saved him. He converted him in the midst of that. In a moment of desperation, he reached out to God. A sinner great like that, yet God saved him. When we saw Saul of Tarsus and what would happen with him as he breathed out threatenings toward those of the way, God still reached down and saved him. We were once blinded, but God, Paul writes in Ephesians, because of his great love and mercy made us alive. And the light of the gospel shone in our hearts and we responded to Jesus. But there are those that have rejected Christ. They believe that all of these things that we speak about this morning are foolishness. You know, someone dying on a cross for their sins sounds foolish to them. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And the message, again, it's foolishness to people that are perishing. Paul would write that we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. 
To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Some have refused to respond, and some even hate the name of Jesus. Like the parable in Luke chapter 19, Jesus speaks of a nobleman. He who would want, he would go into a far off country, and before he left, he would tell uh, his people to to do business while he's gone. Be about my business until I return. And so they have a command from their king to be about his business while he's gone. But the scripture says, listen in Luke 19, 14, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And there are many who do not want Jesus to rule over them. They want to sit on the throne of their own lives, and some actually hate them. And I've seen it, and some of you have experienced it as well. Satan can only blind those who refuse to believe. Jesus, speaking in John chapter 3, would say these words, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. God bless you. Because their deeds were evil. Many will not come to Jesus Christ because they love darkness. They love their sin and they want to remain in it. And they don't want Jesus to rule over them. And because they reject Jesus, the only one that's able to save them, they'll die in their sins. But it's not because of God's heart toward them. Jesus said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for those that have rejected him. God's heart is that none should be lost, that none should perish. He wants them all to be with him forever. Yet the Bible says, wide is the gate, broad is the way that has the leads of destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Many on their way to destruction, and yet we have this message within each one of us that's able to set people free. Verse 5, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We don't preach ourselves. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul didn't come to talk about himself, or he didn't come with fanciful words or words of wisdom, but he came in demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. And he spoke of Christ and Him crucified. And he understood that he couldn't help anyone, but that Jesus could. Like us, we cannot really help someone's spiritual condition when we go out to speak to those that are homeless out in... uh, Browns Park or the areas that we find to speak to them, we can't help any of them. But our prayer always is that, Jesus, you would reveal yourself to them. That you're able, Lord, to set them free from heroin addiction or alcohol addiction or whatever they're bound in, Lord. You have the power to do that. You said that you've come to set the captives free. And so we present Jesus. We just covered in Colossians as Pastor Tony spoke on Colossians 1 a few weeks back. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And so God has entrusted each one of us 
with the message of the gospel for a lost world. The world's falling apart around us, but the message of the gospel saves. Paul said, I didn't die for you. Apollos didn't die for you, but Jesus did. And so his goal was to bring men and women to Jesus. And that's what we want to do here. We want to present Jesus and, you know, his love and his grace and his mercy for mankind. But this light was now burning in our hearts. You know, Jeremiah would say he wanted to shut up this word within him, but this heart was on fire to release the word. And Paul saying this light now shining in our hearts, maybe thinking of his own conversion, maybe remembering that his way to Damascus and the light that shone from heaven around him uh, as he fell to the ground, he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And finally said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The God that said, let there be light, and there was light, was now shining in Paul's heart, and he was changed forever by Jesus. And so the question this morning is, has he shown in your heart? Have you had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ? Have you been changed by Christ? The Bible says if any man or woman are in Christ, they are a new creation. Is that your experience? Or have you just said a prayer and nothing has changed and you're still living the same? Christ never leaves anyone the same. He molds us and conforms us to his image. But we all are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Have you seen the glory of Christ shining in your heart? The Bible tells us to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. To approach our salvation with fear and trembling. And so Paul also understood that he was called to be a servant. That Christ did a work in his heart that he would bring the message to others, right? He didn't just sit down somewhere. Sometimes we're a little confused about what God wants us to do after we're saved. We know him as a savior, but knowing him as Lord, how he calls us to want to save others and to love others. The beginning of salvation, but he encourages us to keep walking with him. He wants us to bring the message to others. Jesus tells us that we are now the light of the world, that we shouldn't hide this message. He says, you don't put a candle under a bushel, right? or a bed you put it on a candlestick so it gives light to all let your light so shine before men have we been given this light the light of the gospel to share with others yes verse 7 but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us the Bible says in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge Tony spoke of that the other week all in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so this great treasure that God has taken, he's placed within us. You know, when we have something of great value, sometimes we take it and hide it away in a deposit box in the bank. You know, maybe insurance papers or whatever it may be. We take and hide these things away. But that's not what God wants us to do with this message. He wants us to release this message. He's given it to us in these earthly vessels, this tent that we have, this great treasure of Jesus Christ, this Jesus, our hope and glory. And, uh, and so he wants us to release that. And that's the message today, that we would release what Christ has done for us in our lives. It's a powerful testimony when you go to speak of yourself, what God did in your life. 
done some pretty unbelievable things away from Christ before I really knew him. But Jesus Christ delivered me from them, and every one of us has a message that God has done in their lives. The great treasure that God has placed within us. He came to live within each one of us, and that was the mystery, right? Christ, our hope, in us, in this tent, the great treasure. And Paul said, as, as I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, imagine that, Paul speaking, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so he was a weak vessel. He had things that were wrong with him. And he came in a voice that was trembling. But he also come, came in a demonstration of the spirit and power of God. He came in weakness that those who saw him gave glory to God. The value of Christ and his glory within each one of us. Jesus now abiding in us. He chose to dwell in these tents. And the Bible says we are now the temple of the living God. Verse 8. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And so Paul suffered greatly. just want to read a little bit out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, this is particular is the New Living Translation. It says, Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights I have been hungry and thirsty, and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then beside all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And so Paul suffered immensely for the church and for the cause of Christ. Yet the Corinthian church actually despised them because of all these things. They thought they had great lives of victory, the Corinthians. And there are those today who believe that uh, nothing should happen to us if our faith is strong enough that we should walk in victory in every area of our lives. Well, I suggest that you look at the life of Paul. But certainly he was a man of God, filled with the Spirit of God, yet he suffered. And he was afflicted. that we should never suffer. The writer of Hebrews speaks, there was a victory through faith, but there was also suffering. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'll just read a few verses. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others, listen, were tortured, 
not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And so they suffered. And in this world, we're going to have affliction. But Jesus is telling us in the midst of the affliction that we go through, to continue to release the message of the gospel. There are many different kinds of outreach we can do. We can feed people, we can clothe people, but unless we have the gospel that goes along to it, all we're doing is just in, uh, giving them a longer stay here on this earth where we're having them cast into hell like every other lost person. We need to deliver the gospel, the message of the cross that Christ endured for each and every one of us. How can Jesus be manifested in our lives if we don't experience suffering or tribulation? Jesus said we'll have it, and yet we're amazed when it comes upon each one of us, right? And the question is what we will become because of the trials that we go through. You know, we can become bitter. We can become angry at God. Or we can yield to him and let him mold us into the image of his son. That's the goal of the Father. He wants us to mold us to the image of of his son. Paul writes, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Listen. And this is the reason that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our lives. That people would see Jesus in our lives, in our mortal flesh. Suffering produces something. Paul would say in Romans chapter 5 that tribulation produces um, perseverance. And it Perseverance produces character, and character hope, and so God builds something, he molds something, like in Jeremiah, he says he's the potter, we're the clay, and he's continuing to mold us into the image of his son, and sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable, sometimes it's going to be rough, but the thing we need to know is that this is only for a temporary time, right? This too will pass. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul's thorn in the flesh. My strength, God speaking, is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities and that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Anybody there? In reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And I look at these verses and say, Lord, what happened to us? You know, I catch myself complaining about such trivial things, and people are losing their lives overseas. You look at some of the things that are going on in Iraq and Afghanistan. Children are being sold into slavery, and women are being raped. Men are being beheaded and crucified for the name of Jesus Christ. But we here have it so well. But we still won't release the message to our friends that are going, they're on their way to hell. You know, we're not good people on our way to heaven. If you ask everybody who, where are you going to go when they die, even all the lost, they'll say we're all going to heaven. That's not what the Bible said. It said the wide is the road that leads to destruction. Many will be thereon. But we have the message within each one of us to release to them that is able to save, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Are we not willing to let suffering produce the life of Christ in us? 
Will we be silent with the message of Jesus Christ? The message of the gospel. Paul suffered. The Lord Jesus Christ suffered tremendously. He became the ransom for all of us. And Brett was reading the other night, and I, this was already written, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The scriptures in Isaiah say his face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human. One would scarcely know that he was a man. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so Jesus suffered willingly for every one of us, crushed for each one of us for our sins. We're going to have tribulation in this world. He said, if they hate me, they'll hate you. John records, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. And those are Jesus' words. He said, blessed are you when men hate you and when they revile you, when they exclude you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man. How will Jesus find us when, we, when he returns? What will be, we be for Christ? God made Paul more effective in ministry through his suffering. Paul yielded to it that the life of Christ would be manifested in his body. He was burdened, he said at one point, above measure, above strength, so that he despaired of even life itself. And have you been there? There are many of us that have suffered some great things. Don't even want to talk about the things that we've been through. Burden above measure. And I want you to know today that Jesus is with you. He's near the broken, the Bible says. He, we serve a God who goes into the lion's den. We serve a God who goes into the fiery furnace with us. And so how was Paul able to stand? How did he not lose heart? Verse 13, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Paul knew that his suffering brought glory to God, greater glory. He had the same spirit as the psalmist, and he's quoting out of Psalm 116, I believed and therefore I spoke. Paul believed and therefore he spoke. And so how about us? We believe. Will we speak on behalf of the Lord? to our loved ones even, to a world that's crying out that needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And secondly, he knew the scripture says, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. And sometimes we just get so fixed on the things that we're going through in this world that we forget where we're going, right? The end of the book, Revelation, where are we going to be? We're going to be with him forever. We're going to sit down at the marriage feast of the Lamb. We will be with him. And secondly, Paul knew that. The scripture says, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus, he knew it, right? We look at Romans uh, chapter 8, right? We, and we know that all things work together for good. We know. Do we know these things? Do we know that we're going to be raised up with Jesus Christ at the end? Therefore, he did not lose heart because of these things. And that's the message for each one of us. We will have affliction. We will go through things on this earth. But we need to know that Jesus is faithful and that he's coming for us. That as Jesus was raised up, so would Paul be raised up. Paul believed God had a purpose in his suffering, that the life of Christ 
was produced through it. It was no longer him living, he said, but Christ living through him. And he was not afraid to speak. My question to all of us this morning is, do you remember where Jesus brought you from? In my case, it was a very dark place. How he rescued you. And I know where he took me from. How he endured the cross for you and for me. We speak for Jesus. He released the message that he gave you. You know, we're so fearful of rejection. You know, what are they going to say if I speak to them about Jesus? You know, I'm going to be <laughs> rejected by them. They might not be my friends any longer. Meanwhile, in the balance is their eternity. <laughs> their eternity is at stake. We're willing to let them go to hell to be, and for fear to be an offense to them. We need to get past the offense. We need to go release the message of the gospel. Will you speak for Jesus? Will you tell the world around you what he's done for you? And that's the will of God for each of us. Right? What did he say at the end of Mark? Preach the gospel to every living creature. He didn't say only if you're a pastor. He said, go therefore in Matthew and make disciples. That's the great commission that he's given to each and every one of us. Jesus said, if I go, I prepare a place for you. I will come again. Romans chapter 10, um, used many times as we speak to people out in outreaches. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? He quotes out of Isaiah, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. We also believe, and therefore we speak for the glory of God. Paul, again, was convinced Jesus was coming for him. Are you convinced of that? He's prepared a place for you. I'll read out of John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so Paul knew Jesus was coming for him. Either he would be caught up into the clouds, as he writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, or he'd be raised from death as Jesus was. He remained steadfast and immovable. Verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Maybe you're suffering today. Maybe your outward man is perishing. Listen, Christian. Do not lose heart. Jesus is coming for you. In the same way that Paul would be raised from the dead, we also will be raised from the dead. And some, I believe, in this congregation will be here when he comes in the air and be caught up and be with him forevermore. The scripture said that we should comfort one another with that. 
Jesus is coming for us. One day he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. One day there will be no more death and no more pain or no more sorrow nor crying. For all of this, these former things will have passed away. God will make all things new. Do not lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, as the song says. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I was listening to a pastor uh, this week, and uh, he was telling a story about the end of uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones' life. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones was a Welsh Protestant minister. He was born in 1899. He lived till 1981. There's a two-volume book written of his life. Um, he was also a medical doctor as well. Martin Lloyd-Jones now was laying on his deathbed, and uh, he was being taken care of an old dear friend he had known for some 30 years from the church who was also a doctor. His daughter Elizabeth was there with him as well. His doctor was upset that Martin would not take his antibiotic, <laughs> that he wouldn't take anything for pain. You see, Martin had already been set to meet Jesus. He was okay. He was ready. His doctor was quite upset. He says to him, I hate to see you sitting here this way and so weary and so worn. I hate to see you in such sadness. You see, Martin Lloyd-Jones by this point had lost the ability to speak. But when he heard the doctor say, I hate to see you in such sadness, Martin, visibly upset, blurts out, not sad, not sad. And he pointed to these scriptures out of 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen, they are eternal. His daughter Elizabeth asked her father, Is this your experience now, Dad? Martin Lloyd-Jones nodded his head with great vigor. Yes. Therefore, to each one of us, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Will you stand with me? Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. And we thank you for this glorious message you've put within each one of us, Lord. What a message, God, that even though we're sinners, that there's a great Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, he set aside his crowns in heaven, his robes, and, and came to live among us. We beheld the glory of him. And now we have this message within each one of us, Lord. Because we believe we need to release that message, each one of us, God, I pray that that sinks deep into each one of our hearts, Lord. Yes, we're going to have tribulation. Yes, we will have affliction. But one day we will be in the presence of the King of all kings. 
One day we will sit at the marriage feast of the Lamb. And we will be with the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that we won't even need a son because of the radiance of his beauty in our midst. One day he's going to wipe away every tear, all sorrow that you experienced, every pain, every hard thing that you've gone through. And until then, that we would live for the glory of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be good ambassadors for you. You're worthy of that, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today. Maybe all these things that I'm saying up here sound awfully foreign to you. How can we live for him? How can we experience you know, affliction? How can we go through all these things? But Jesus laid his life down for each one of us. And he laid his life down for you. And God may be speaking to your heart right now. Maybe your heart's going a little faster than it normally does. It's just the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying you need to get right with God. You need to be reconciled to him. You need to have a Savior. And you need to call on that name this morning. That you would invite Jesus Christ into your heart to wash you and cleanse you of your sin. You would acknowledge that he was the Son of God and that he died for you personally. Have you ever done that before? If you've never done that, today can be the day that you do that. We're going to pray a prayer. And uh, if that's you this morning, you believe God is asking you to accept the Son, then you would, you would say the same words that I'm saying. He's not looking at the prayer, but he's looking at your heart to see if you believe these things. You would pray a prayer just like this, wherever you're standing, just right now. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin, Lord. I turned from that sin. I believe that you died for me. That you died for my sins. And I believe you rose from the grave to give me new life. I'm asking you to save me this morning, Lord. Give me eternal life, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, God. Give me desire to know you and desire to live for you. Help me to be a good ambassador for you. In Jesus' name, amen.